We continue to worship our God this morning with our scripture reading, Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 31. And our message today is entitled, Jesus and the Rich Young Man. This is the Lord's word. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions in the, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Good morning again. Please look around you to the left and to the right and just say a quick hello. These people around you have been created by God himself, believe it or not. God has made them in his image. And all of us here today are before the Lord, asking the Lord, Lord, show us who you are, not only as individuals, but as, as families, as, as friends, as, as a church together. And as we continue on this journey in the gospel of Mark, we pray and we ask the Lord, Lord, enlighten our hearts to hear your word. Change our hearts to 
to see your grace and your mercy for we are tired people. We are exhausted people. But there's something amazing that happens in God's presence. We experience his presence, his peace, his love. And so we ask the Lord, Lord, bless us as we hear your word. So as we continue in the gospel of Mark, we see Jesus encountering different types of people. And at this point, the disciples are used to this. People coming to Jesus asking to be healed. People coming to Jesus asking for their child's uh, possession, the demonic possession to be driven away. Asking Jesus for a myriad of things, but for healing above all else. And we see the disciples watching Jesus. We see the Pharisees watching Jesus. And the big overall question is, who is he? Why has he come? What is the, the purpose of Christ's presence in Israel on that day? And as we, as we see each one of these interactions, we begin to see more and more that Jesus is more than just a teacher. And Jesus is more than just a prophet. Jesus is more than just a healer. But Jesus himself in this declaration is saying that I am the son of man. I am the Messiah who has come to usher in the kingdom of God. And his disciples are still trying to figure out the fullness of who Jesus is. For us here today as God's people, we are privileged to be at the end of the story, the, the, the death and the resurrection of Christ. We're privileged to be at the end of the story where the Holy Spirit has come upon us and we can see God's word and see and understand the fullness of redemptive history. And we know and we understand that our faith in Christ and Christ's love for us has reunited us in the covenant of love, sovereignly administered by him, and that we belong to him and he belongs to us. But just like the people here, just like the disciples, you and I are still in a journey to know even more deeply the richness of God's grace and God's love for you and I. There is no end in knowing our Lord and Savior. It's one of the reasons we come to worship him, to see him, to meet him again. Now, this passage here, we see something a bit different. We see this young man coming up to Jesus. And the humility, he kneels before Jesus. And instead of saying, heal me, instead of saying, drive out some demons, he asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Wow. The ante has been upped. The question is even more profound. It's not about sort of temporal conditions. It's about 
all of eternity. And this man was concerned about how do I live forever? What does life look like for all of eternity? Now, some of us are, maybe perhaps most of you here are, are deep thinkers, and that's a, a question that you think about on a regular basis. But for the most part, most of us are sort of distracted by the day-to-day living to really think deeply about everlasting life. But we do have moments of self-consciousness of who we are, what are we made for, How long does life actually persist? God tells us that our lives are eternal, that all of you are eternal beings. C.S. Lewis said it this way. It's like, there there will be a time that if we as human beings saw another human being of eternality, come before us, that they will be so glorious that we would be tempted to worship him or tempted to run away. But the glory of man and woman has been established when you were made in his image. And all of us seek to live a life that is full, and as Ecclesiastes says, a life that is eternal, for God has set eternity in the hearts of each person. Do you guys know that that nowadays there are billionaires, people, I won't name people, uh, no one here, I don't think, um, but they're trying to cheat death. There are people trying to freeze themselves in hopes that in the future, there will be a technology that will bring them back to life. Just Google it, and you'll, you'll find it, and you'll see all these famous names of people who have nothing else to do with their money, but to the, but the figure out, how do I live forever and ever and ever? And this was the question that this young man And Jesus looked upon him and he said, well, have you kept the law? You are a good Jewish man. What does it say about eternal life? What does it say about your relationship with with the Lord? And he says, well, I've kept the Ten Commandments. All the Ten Commandments. I've kept the Ten Commandments. Surely that will help me to get into heaven. Just good religious rule keeping. Being a good moral person will get me into heaven. And Jesus here is is very sly because he actually agrees with this man. He agrees with all of you who say, I should get into heaven because I'm a good moral person. And Jesus says, well, you've kept everything, but there's one thing you lack. Go sell everything and then come 
and follow me. Think about this. What does Jesus say to this rich young ruler? He's saying to the rich young ruler, you have not kept the Ten Commandments. You still covet. You still desire riches. You still desire security. And in fact, what he's saying to all of us is that none of us here can be that good moral person that Scripture demands. Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 3 describes this, that there are actually two ways to go to heaven. The first way is that if you keep God's law perfectly, you are welcome to enter into the kingdom of God. But Romans also teaches us that all of us have sinned, that no one has kept it. And so in many ways, it closes that door for all of humanity. And Jesus is making that point. Now, in this passage, God is not saying, or Jesus is not saying that wealth itself is evil. But Jesus is saying that those who have much have a harder time seeing their need of Jesus. And I think this hits all of us here who are in this room. When I look in this room, all of us here live in the United States of America, or we're here in the United States of America. We are wealthy beyond all measure compared to the rest of the world. We are wealthy beyond measure considering all of past history. And don't think that this passage doesn't like sting my heart as it should sting your heart as well. Because there's something true about sort of being in poverty. When you're in poverty, you don't have many options. But when you are wealthy, you have many, many options to find security, to find significance. And God is pointing that out to this rich young ruler. What does he have? Well, it's in the description. He's wealthy. But he's not old and wealthy, right? Someone on their deathbed who realizes that wealth is is meaningless. He's wealthy and he's young. He has all the world before him. And Jesus points out to him not only his failure to, to follow the Ten Commandments, but also his failure to have a desire for God and God alone. And this is a question that we have here today, all of us. We all have that one thing that prevents us from either coming to the Lord or coming closer to the Lord. We have that one thing in our lives that prevents us from coming to the Lord in worship to him. We have that, I love you, Lord, but I want to worship you, Lord, but 
I seek you, Lord, at all times except. And God wants you to see that. Now, what's beautiful about this is that Jesus says, when he said that to the man, he loved him. This young man, he wasn't making him out to be an example. He wasn't there to crush him. He loved him. And so Jesus says the same to you and me. I love you. I want to fellowship with you. I want to give you the kingdom and the fullness thereof. What's holding you back? What is holding you back? Is it wealth? Is it relationships? Is it your job? Is it your health? This is what Jesus promises as we keep going in this, this story. The disciples said to him, hey, we dropped everything to follow you. You called us, we dropped it, we followed you. We left our riches. These, these fishermen who are with the Lord, these are like these blue-collar rich people, right? These, they were like plumbers, electricians who like make more money than doctors. And, you know, these, they weren't sort of these simple folk. They left everything to follow Jesus. And here's the promise that Jesus gives you if you follow him. If you decide to let go of all the things that are keeping you back. He says it this way. For those of you who have left your families, and, I, and this is one of my, my favorite, favorite passages in Scripture. For those of you who left your mom, you left your dad, left your brothers, you left your sisters, you left your lands, you left your wealth. For those of you who've left everything to follow Jesus, who think that you are poor because of it, poorer because of it, who think that you have no safety net anymore and you don't because of it. For those of you who are afraid to leave everything behind, this is why I promise you, you will have mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, children, houses, and lands in this life. What is God promising there? If I could be so bold as to say this, look around you. These are your brothers. These are your sisters. These are your mothers. These are your fathers. These are your children. These are the houses and lands that we share with one another. This is what God has multiplied for you. This is for all of you who are in Christ. 
It is why we worship together as a community. It's why we as a community continue to grow in love for one another. To fulfill what Jesus has promised to give to the church of God, which is the family. Together to worship and serve him. That's why he says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Those of you who give up all things for the sake of the gospel will gain even more because of that same gospel. Our brothers and sisters, all that you have in your hands, whether it's responsibilities, wealth, status, Give it to the Lord. And say, Lord, whatever you want to do with it, do so. For in following you, surely I will be wealthy here in this world. Now there comes with it what? Suffering? Yes. Do not think that in serving God today that God will simply give you this, this heart that is, that is untouchable, that is always on fire for him. We live by faith. But even that battle of faith demonstrates God's love for you. Because what does that do? The last thing he promises is what? Not only life here, but eternal life as well. Brothers and sisters, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus had not resurrected from the dead, if our hope is only in this life today, then we as Christians should be the most pitied people of all peoples. In fact, you should pity yourself if all that you have is here in this world. But Jesus promises that the treasures we store up in heaven, our love for him, our love for God's people, our love to spread the good news of the gospel, that eternal life with Jesus is waiting for us. Lastly, why are you here today to worship God? I don't want you to answer that. <laughs> but why are you here today to worship God? I tell you, one of the reasons must be I long for heaven. I long for heaven, Pastor Young. I long for the Lord to return. I long for everlasting life. I long for that perfection he promised. And coming today here to worship 
We get a taste of that, Pastor Young. That makes me long for him even more. Brothers and sisters, come before the Lord with thanksgiving. Know that the Lord has loved you and purchased you through his very own blood because of his love. Let us pray. <coughs> Gracious Heavenly Father, there is no one, no one like you. Our hearts yearn to know you, to worship you, to serve you. Father, we confess that we are imperfect people. And for many of us, Lord, perhaps heaven is an escape. That think of eternal life is an escape from the duties of this world. But you teach us, Lord, that if we set our minds in heaven, our thoughts above, if we know, Lord, that eternity belongs to us, that this inheritance belongs to us, then we can show ourselves to truly be your disciples by engaging one another in love, engaging one another with humility, being gracious to one another with our time, our finances, and even our families. Lord, we know, Lord, that our lives are secure in you. And so we ask of you, Lord God, to continue to give us a glimpse of the everlasting, eternal life you have given to us and teach us to worship you with all our hearts, all our souls, and all our minds. In Christ's name we pray, amen.